0: Everybody, welcome to Life Church on this holiday weekend. My name is Kate. For those of you who don't know me, I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and we are so excited that you're here. For those of you who do know me and you've been around for a little while, you know that while I'm preaching, the stories and the funny anecdotes, they're not really like my forte, you know, but Alex is super spectacular at them. And he encourages me to incorporate them in my sermons too. So today let me tell you a little bit about myself. So here we have my family. Here is a picture of me and my mom and dad at graduation. I graduated from high school. Really beautiful. Here's a picture of me and my mom and my brother and this is at my stepdad's retirement party. It was so cool to all be together. Here we have a picture of my cat Wilbur. For those of you who know me, you know that I love my cat so much. I'm not really a crazy cat lady I'm just a little bit of a crazy cat lady but mostly just for Wilbur he's adorable he's 15 this is a picture of him when he was a kitten and he's super super cute here is a picture of some of the orphans from Haiti in EGO. EGO is an organization that I have traveled to about 12 times and I love the kids one of the girls actually gave me this picture which is super significant because they don't get pictures of themselves um, easily or regularly so that's really great it's really important and this is Whistly we hiked to the top of um, one of the mountains that is right there and that's super cool too and here's a picture that a friend gave to me of Haiti very awesome here is my high school diploma. I graduated from high school with honors, as I said, which is very significant because um, in my family, I was the first one to graduate uh, high school. And here is my Spring Arbor University degree, which is uh, a bachelor's in social work. Many of you don't know this, but I actually got my bachelor's in social work because I thought I was going to work in a prison or a hospital and turns out I'm working at a church, which is very similar to both of those things. Anyway, like I said, um, Haiti, super important to me. Mission trips, serving with the youth group. You can't really see um, by holding this up, but here you'll see a better picture of it. Uh, Mission trips. I have gone many places with teenagers. I've gone to camp, to council. So much fun, so wonderful to be a part of those things. Each of those things, they represent my family, they represent education. They represent my purpose and experiences in this world. They represent the things that matter most to me. So why would I put them in the garbage? You might be asking yourself that question. Hold on to it. We're going to come back to it, okay? There are some things that I'm going to invite you to put into the garbage today as well. But before I do, I want to ask you guys to consider what are some of the things that matter most to you? Many of us, we value our family. We love our family so much. And how many of you, and I'm not gonna ask you to comment in the comment section because you might be with your family and might not really want to answer that. So I'm not gonna put you in that awkward position. (laughs) But how many of us love our families? We wanna support them. We want to love them. We would sacrifice everything for our kids. We would let go of our preferences and our wants for our parents to care for them as they get older. I know that for me, my family, We had so much fun growing up. We would have Friday night card night. We would show up on every single holiday, Sunday afternoons, 2 p.m. We were there for each other. We fought for one another. I have a lot of pride in the way that my family cared for each other amidst difficulty. What about you? What about your family? Nothing comes between you, maybe. You do whatever you can for your kids. You sacrifice, you show up for them. You learn about things that you never thought that you would care about. Maybe there are those of you who are like, no, my family was awful. But maybe you've recreated family here at church and you show up for each other. You help each other move or do projects around the house. How many of us feel like we're hard workers? I know for me, I do pride myself in that. I am a hard worker. Maybe we serve the Lord faithfully. Anytime there's an opportunity to serve at church, you're the first person to sign up. You sacrifice your time, your talents, your treasures. You do good things for your neighbors. In the eyes of yourself and your community, you are full of pride in what you've done. Projects for others, covering for colleagues. You're present at work, and you do all you can to honor the Lord with everything that you have. How many of you feel like we have achieved so much? I have achieved so much. I know, like I said before, I'm the first person in my family to get a high school diploma. I'm the first person in my family to get a uh, college degree. That's powerful, that's important. I am so proud of myself. What about you? Have you put yourself through school? Have you learned a trade so that you can take care of your family or yourself? Maybe you've gone to conferences to make sure that you are an expert in your field, that you're super knowledgeable and you are up to date on all the new practices. We want accolades. We want to be sought after. And Paul, who we're going to be talking about today, in some of his words, he doesn't say that's wrong or bad. He just has a truth that we're going to learn about today. And as we talk about Paul's words to the church of Philippi, I felt super challenged because what Paul does is he puts these things into perspective. Something I really value and appreciate about Paul and some people don't really like about him is he's super intense. He's so intense about everything and I really relate to him so regularly I love reading his books. One side note though, before we jump in to the text for the sermon today, I want to talk about the fact that Paul has four main points in the book of Philippians that he's emphasizing. every single. It's a very short book, it's four chapters, and each one of the chapters is focused on one main point. And this week, I just wanna encourage you guys, take some time to read through Philippians. Figure out what the main point of each of those chapters is, because these are really, really important main points for us to be considering as the Church of Christ. Today, we're gonna to be reading through and unpacking chapter three. But I want to mention the fact that the Church of Philippi, it wasn't screwing up. These things are just that important. So in Philippians, Paul explains this way better than I could, this whole idea about what matters most. So today we're going to unpack much of Philippians 3, but what we're going to do first is we're going to read through the whole scripture today, and then I'm going to unpack it verse by verse. Because what Paul wants to say is really important. And it's important because it's written to people just like you and me. And it's about what really matters most. So let's just go ahead and we're going to jump in uh, to chapter 3, verse 1. It's going to be up here on the screen. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble for me, and it's a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision we who worship in the Spirit of God and take pride in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself could boast as having confidence even in the flesh, if anyone thinks he is confident in the flesh, I have more reason. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, As to righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as loss because of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them mere rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if somehow I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already grasped it all or have already become perfect, but I press on, if I may take hold of that for which I was even Taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature, let's have this attitude. And if anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal that to you as well. However, Let's keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. All right, picture this with me, you guys. Okay, the people that this church was started by, which you can find in Acts uh, chapter 6, it was Lydia, she's a merchant, she's a seller of purple linens, a business owner, a slave woman who was demonic, possessed, healed by Paul, and a jailer. So when I look at these people, when I research them, when I look at their lives, Lydia, she's, she's high class, okay? She's the top of the food chain. We've got the jailer, who's probably like a blue-collar worker, regular Joe Schmo. And then we've got this slave woman, demonic possession, recently healed. This is bottom of the barrel. So this beautiful picture of God's kingdom is it, it's epitomized in the leadership of this church. And I can't help but wonder, this, this top of the class, this businesswoman Lydia, what matters most to her? The jailer, what matters most to him? And this newly freed, demonic, possessed woman who's a slave, what matters most to her? I can't help but wonder what was going on for them as they're building this church, and for you. I just can't help but wonder what you have already disqualified yourself from when it comes to church ministry. Do you equate yourself to the bottom, bottom of the barrel, like you don't matter, you don't really have anything to offer? I just want to let you guys know that's not true. You do matter. You have a reason for being here. God has brought you into our church for a reason. And I just want to encourage you. Thank you for being here. It's time to plug in. The things going on at this church, they weren't, they weren't going awry. They weren't going terribly. The reason why Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians was because these they matter so much. In order to understand why I put everything that matters most to me in this garbage can, let's work through the text together. So in Philippians 3, we're going to start at verse 1 here, but most of the sermon we're going to focus on verses 4 through 10. But I think that reading and understanding scripture in context and understanding who the letter is written to, these are all very important things. And you have access to the exact same resources that I do to understand the things going on within the text. If you want help or you want to understand some of those things, come and talk to me. I'd love to help you figure out how to do that well. So Philippians chapter 3 verse 1, it says, Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble for me, and it's a safeguard for you pause. I just love this so much because he's like, hey, I'm going to repeat myself, but that's okay because it's really important for you (laughs) to hear and understand. So if any of you are like, "Uh, they just do the same sermon for Christmas and Easter, this is why, because it matters. It's really important for us to repeat ourselves, to have a good clarified vision. Anyway, verse 2, beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision. We who worship in the spirit of God take pride in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself could boast as having confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he is confident in the flesh, I have more reason. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. So here, family. Paul's talking about his lineage. In verse 5, he says, circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul's making a significant point in this letter here. Okay, he could be making uh, two points or one of these points. Uh, We don't exactly know, but he could be describing the placement that he holds because of his bloodline. His lineage, it's one of pure, unadulterated importance. Or he could be making a point to his family's loyalty to these ancestral traditions. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews from the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin was one of absolute importance, and his audience would have known that. They would have understood what he's saying when he's emphasizing his lineage and the gift of that. Not only was Paul a pure-blood Jewish person, he also had been a part of the people who didn't assimilate to the Roman culture. He still spoke Hebrew, and his people would get that when he was saying that. So I want to explain that to you as well. Education. Paul's education, it was top-notch. He had all the training. He says here, as to the law of Pharisee. This is important to understand because as to the law of Pharisee, this is indicating the laborious amounts of time and effort and energy that he spent learning the law, understanding the law, implementing and abiding by the law. And what he's saying here is that his education, his holiness, this significant thing, he's, he's, he's trying to emphasize this, right? And he mentions this because there's this aspect of, uh, I know a thing or two about a thing or two, right? When you're listening to somebody talk, you want to know that they are aware and competent, that they're educated, that they understand. I mean, we're, we're always evaluating who we're listening to, right? The reason why you trust me to speak to you and share with you is because you trust I've done my research. That makes sense. Taking parenting advice from people who don't have kids, probably not going to fly, right? We're not going to listen to somebody who doesn't have kids like, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. Whatever. Picking a doctor when you've recently been diagnosed with cancer. You want the best of the best, right? You're not just going to willy-nilly go to somebody who's brand new out of school. You might want somebody who's the best what school to go to, how to drive. You're not going to trust somebody to teach you how to drive if they've never been behind the wheel before, right? We want to learn or be taught by someone who we trust, by someone who has experience in the area that we're trying to grow. That's Paul's point here. He's sharing about his expertise. Hey, guys, you can listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. I'm trained in this. He talks about works. He talks about his zeal, his passion, his drive. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. Paul has passion. He's got this level of intensity that I just just love about him, right? That's what I have shared with you many times before. He is so intense and I love that. He's got this intensity about honoring the Lord and upholding the law. And he's stating there's nothing in the law which he did not fulfill. That's what it means when he's found blameless. It means that he he upholds all of these things, that he's lived into him, he's done them, he's checked them off, check, 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 making sure to do all the things. It doesn't mean that he's sinless because within this context it's about making sacrifices and and going to the temple and, and doing all these things, right? And he's just saying he's done those things. It's so hard to do those things, so hard, that the Lord sent his one and only Son to die on a cross so that we no longer had to abide by those laws that by receiving His Son, we've experienced freedom. So the scripture goes on, it says in verse 7, But whatever things were gained to me, these things I've counted as loss because of Christ. And more than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them mere rubbish. He's saying that all the things he's listed before, they're a loss, and he's lost them because of seeking after Jesus. And he's saying these are meaningless. These are nothing. His bloodline, his education, his experiences. He says, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If somehow I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Rubbish. Garbage. Refuse. The word that he's using here, it means poop. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you're close to poop, if you're close to garbage, it's a contaminant. It can make you really sick and die. People die from these things. Death. He's saying here, he's comparing everything, his bloodline, his education, his works. He's considering them complete and absolute garbage compared to knowing Christ. This isn't his first time saying it. And the reason why that matters is because if somebody says something one time, you can take it or leave it, but when it's emphasized, when it's a repeat statement, it's something we need to pay attention to. And this is not his first time comparing all things to being garbage compared to knowing Christ. And knowing Christ, this, this type of know, the word that it means, it's not an intellectual knowledge, okay? It's a personal and intimate experience it's the same word used in the Old Testament when Adam knew his wife it's it's this intimate and personal experience of a person and this is really helpful for me to consider because I want to intellectualize everything so that I can teach it and educate people and share with them and make sure I have a full grasp and knowledge on something so this is really challenging for me because it reminded me that, that Christ desires me. He wants to know me. He wants me to know him, and he wants to know you and to be known by you. Our relationship with God, with Jesus, it's this, it's this one of intimacy and meaningful connection. In verse 12, it says, not that I have already grasped it all, or become perfect, but I press on if I may take hold of that for which I was even taken hold of by Christ Jesus." If you're feeling a little bit of shame or fear or inadequacy, I just want to release you from that. This is a progress, not perfection, type of experience. You will never arrive. It's just a matter of pressing on. It means moving forward when we fall short, not if we fall short, but when we fall short, we recognize that, recognize our shortcomings and our inability to be perfect. Learning how to apologize to people, learning how to apologize to God and moving forward, asking for the strength of the Holy Spirit to help us to overcome those things. We have been taken hold of by Christ. He's already won the battle, you guys. In verse 13, it says, Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it yet. Paul says, I haven't arrived yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And right here, you guys, I love this because this is like, it's a competition, actually. (laughs) It's a little bit of a competition, but the person you're competing with, it's yourself. And it's not saying we don't, this forgetting what lies behind, it doesn't mean that we just ignore everything that has happened prior to this moment. This past week, I celebrated 14 years of sobriety. That's amazing. That's awesome. It's incredible. There's a ton of work that has been put into my sobriety. But I don't just stay here and say like, great, 14 years, I'm good now. It means that I celebrate, I acknowledge the fact that this has happened, and I keep moving forward. What else, Lord? What else do you have for me to grow in and to learn and understand? I'm going to press on towards the goal, which is knowing Christ. The more I heal, the more submitted I become to Christ, the more I get to learn and know him. Verse 15, Therefore, all who are mature, let's have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that to you as well. However, let's keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Remain teachable. Remain open to learning and growing and allowing the Lord to transform you from the inside out. Christ is what actually matters most. Not my family, not my education, not my achievements. Christ. God sent his one and only son to die for us that we might have freedom, that we could live fully free from the sin that binds us and entangles us. And we can get to be free today. And that is such good news. That is the good news. In Christ, we are free. And while I cannot boast of the same importance as Paul, my family is not one of pure lineage. In fact, it's actually a hot mess. There is divorce and substance abuse, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, infidelity. Education, I actually got kicked out of college my first go at it, it did not go very well for me. Works, unlike Paul, I did not think about other people or try to do good things. For a very long time, I was selfish and self-centered and still am, quite honestly. And for a long time, I prioritized my own wants and needs over every other thing. And it was when I accepted Christ, I began to prioritize serving and doing for others. And even all those good things that I did or have done, they don't matter as much as my relationship with Christ. Reading scripture and getting to know Christ is by far the most important thing that I do with my life. It is unprecedented. There is nothing that takes priority to me over spending quality time with Jesus in the morning, throughout the day, in the evening. I just relish my time with him. And I desire that for all of us, for our church community, to show up to Jesus. I am unworthy. I am so unworthy. I actually would fight with Paul about being the greatest sinner of them all, but he's not around, um, so I guess I just win. Um, I get to experience this free gift of salvation, though. And I can tell you, there's nothing greater. There's nothing more important in my world than knowing Christ and helping other people to experience freedom in Him. So what do you owe God? And let me tell you, God's not up there thinking like, you better figure out what you owe me. He doesn't want that type of relationship. You're never going to be able to repay Him. I am never going to be able to repay Him. He doesn't want that from you. What does God want from you? A personal relationship. To be known and loved. The greatest thing you could do is love Jesus, to love God, and then to love other people the way you love yourself. That's what God says is the most important thing. So how do we accomplish this? We cannot accomplish this alone. Here at Life Church, Livonia, one of the ways that we accomplish community, that we achieve this, is small groups. If you're not in a small group, I want to encourage you join a small group. We have online small groups. We have in-person small groups. We have hybrid, a little bit of both. Small groups, these authentic and transformative communities. This is where we really find that connection. God desires for us to show up with ourselves to him and other people. And I'm not talking about just showing up. I'm talking showing up with your brokenness, your messiness, your insecurities and your fears and your broken marriages, your depression, your eating disorders. Showing up fully to a community that can love you and support you. Showing up to Jesus. So what takes precedence for you? In your world over knowing Christ? Does work, do your achievements, does your family, all of these things, they're garbage compared to knowing Christ. And it's not just because the Bible says so. I mean, the Bible does say so, but the Bible says so because it's true, because we experience that. There's a longing, a lacking in our lives when we're seeking other things instead of a relationship with Christ. There's a futility to it, you guys. Those things, they enrich our lives. Family's not wrong or bad. Work's not wrong or bad. Work's doing great and good things. They enrich our lives, but they don't save our souls. So how do we get to know Christ? I want to encourage you guys, read scripture. Write down your questions, because many of you have shared with me, it's confusing, you don't understand. Read scripture. Journal meditate on it, pray, and then repent. Turn away from the things that get in the way of you and your relationship with God, with Jesus. And repent, it just means turning away, saying I'm not going to do that anymore. It's a fancy church word for it. And then you do it over again because we don't arrive. Read scripture, pray, meditate, journal, repent. Do it over again, over and over. This is a walk with Christ You're never going to arrive, you guys. I'm never going to arrive. But we can't know someone if we don't spend time with them. And that's what Christ wants. He wants to know you and to be known by you. We will never, ever arrive. But we get to be on this mission together in community. We are believers in hot pursuit of Jesus, serving him and serving other people and helping other people to experience the freedom in Christ. And if you don't know that freedom, if you're tuning in today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior, if you never found freedom in him, I want to invite you into an opportunity to receive Jesus today. Just repeat after me, whether it's in your mind or out loud. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for the sacrifice of your son Jesus. For his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection, Lord. And we receive that sacrifice that makes us right with you, Lord. I turn away from my own ways of doing things and I submit myself to you, asking that you would make me a new creation. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. If you've received Jesus, let us know about it. We're not meant to do this thing alone. Thank you guys so much for being here and I can't wait to see you next week.